0: To better relationships better life a podcast where you'll gain insights from relationship experts and entrepreneurial couples who have moved through conflict and into a better life crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships here's your host Judy K Herman
1: as you listen to this next episode it's important to know that a lot of what we share here applies not only to couples and families but also to relationships in your organization. If you're looking for a speaker or a facilitator for your next event, I would love to support you. Just go to judyspeaker.com. For now, let me introduce you to my colleague, Shane Burkle, who is a marriage and family therapist. He gives us insider tips about couples counseling. So if the idea of relationship therapy is a mystery, stay tuned. We want to satisfy your curiosity. Let's listen in. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy Herman, your host. And I. we're going to be focusing today on types of therapy and when to come to therapy. And is therapy necessary? Do you do couples or or individual, and I have an expert in this area. His name is Shane Burkle, and he is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he specifically is someone who sparks change in people's lives. I've known Shane. Thanks so much, first of all, Shane, for joining me today.
0: Hi, Judy. uh... Thank you so much for having me.
1: And I do want folks to know that I've been part of your Facebook group for therapists. Shane has a podcast called The Couples Therapist Couch, and he addresses all kinds of issues. He is really in the center of of therapists and couples therapist world. So he he knows a lot and I think he's going to bring some remarkable value. So, and and on a personal level too, I just wanted to let people know, you know what, you're not just a therapist, right? None of us are just therapists. We bet he is a father of three, husband of one, mm-hmm. and he definitely is a go-to support for couples therapist and and really does some trainings and is so very knowledgeable about the different therapies and all of that. But anyway, I wanted to welcome you. Thank you so much for, yeah, for being thanks, here. Judy.
0: What a nice introduction. I appreciate that.
1: Well, you're quite really welcome. i
0: to talk to you today. Yeah. You're,
1: you're, you're an expert when it comes to podcasts. You're an expert when it comes to interviewing uh, influential um, leaders in our field And, um, yeah, you've had, you've had Terry, well, you are trained, um, in relational life therapy. So tell us about your journey just for folks to get to know you. Uh, yeah. Your personal journey and how you even got to this point of being a couples therapist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm really fortunate because, I am really interested in this topic. I think it's fun. Oftentimes when I go to trainings, when I talk to experts in the field of couples therapy, I just think it's really interesting. And I think that to answer your question, that's probably why I got into it in the first place, because I was, you know, and I think a lot of therapists become therapists because they're trying to figure out their own stuff, you know, yeah, and, absolutely. um, I was struggling a lot with depression and anxiety. And, uh, you know, it just really helped, really transformed my life when I started seeing a therapist and being able to work through some of that stuff. And um, the more that I uh, read books and took classes and got education and had experience with therapy, the more interested I, I became.
1: Well, let me ask you this, and I'm assuming, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but you you began studying therapy before you were married or after you were married?
0: <laughs> well, I uh, t- officially, I started my therapy program. I guess I was, I think I was engaged. It was right around the time I was engaged, right around the time we got married. So it was something I had been thinking about for a long time. Um, I had, I remember having people tell, like when I was in college, I was very interested in psychology and very interested in possibly maybe going into counseling or something like that. And I remember getting feedback from people that, you know, you, you can't really, there's not a lot of jobs in psychology, probably can't make a lot of money in psychology. So maybe you shouldn't go that direction, but I remember being interested in it, even at that point. And, um, always reading books about that. uh, And, and then going to my own therapy a little bit later on, but uh, which was all before I met my wife, who's now my wife. Um, But I didn't actually start my therapy program until I was with her.
1: Interesting. And I'm just wondering how your practical day-to-day daily grind, being married relationship and, and having a family, how that has affected you, as a marriage and family therapist
0: yeah so i think there are a couple things about that one is that as i was going through my therapy program i had my first child and i think it was right around the time right after i finished my therapy program i had my second child which for me was one of the most stressful times in my entire life it was Mm. just really really hard and i was just so i'm looking back on it i'm so grateful that I was going to weekly therapy at that time because I was in the program and they were encouraging us to do that. And I should have been anyway. But I, you know, I had a few years there where I was going every week and uh, it really helped me get through and it really helped me become a better therapist. So I was getting the education from the degree program. I was getting the education from life because it's really (laughs) hard having two little kids and, um, and I was getting the experience of going through that, working through all of those emotions for myself in therapy.
1: that's that's really interesting. that That's so true for all of us, whether you're a therapist or not, just having kids and and that entering into a marriage, that is really a very challenging time of life. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going through my own program, and course I, This is a second career for me. But I remember taking human growth and development and having these life experiences first, and and it seemed like when I was taking that course, I had a child in every one of the age categories that we were studying about. Oh, yeah,
0: right.
1: <laughs> so there's definitely some value of having those life experiences before, but then during, uh, it, it's very it's priceless, isn't it? The life experiences versus the in classroom or the writing papers. And yeah,
0: uh, yeah absolutely. Oh yeah and I forgot one other thing I was going to say too is that even today you know I think that I'm good at working with couples but when I get in situations with my wife all of that education sometimes goes out <laughs> the window and I just sort of get triggered and I get caught up in my own personal stuff and it can be really hard to use the skills that I know I should be uh, and that's that's good for people to know like no matter how much you learn about it no matter how hard you're working at it you, uh, that it's still a struggle uh, it's always going to be a struggle for most of us and that's okay you know it's good to know that that's that's just the, what it means to be human and my wife will even say sometimes uh, you're going into therapist mode I don't this is <laughs> I don't want you to be my therapist right now I want you to be my husband um you know oh, and that's there's so a different true. Yeah, it's a way for me to avoid the vulnerability, perhaps, of the situation if I'm doing that.
1: That that is so true. You really hit on a lot of things because, and I see when, you know, yes, conflict is inevitable. If you're going to live with another human being under the same roof, no matter who it is, conflict is inevitable, but I see conflict as an opportunity for connection. So when you do come into conflict, there's a bigger purpose. This is an invitation with which to know ourselves and grow our character. But you're so right, Shane, it's kind of like there was a time when I, I was thinking, boy, spouse of therapists really need a support group for sure because really and and this would apply to any couple whether they are therapists or not or whatever profession that they're in a lot of times it's that knowledge and that expertise that we have that we can so inadvertently use it as a power over thing Mm -hmm. and and uh we've got to catch ourselves and and how to be vulnerable. So I think and maybe maybe you can speak to that, this vulnerability, this idea of and I listened to one of your podcasts recently about some core values that you have that you believe that every couple, uh, and I'm going to put my own words, has like this common denominator, so to speak, when they do come in and there's conflict. And maybe you can speak to that uh, the self-esteem boundary issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll try to keep it as concise as possible as a starting point. But I do believe that any relationship issue that I'm having is probably uh, something that's going on for myself that is based in fear, that's based in my own insecurity about whether this person will love me, whether this person wants to stay with me, whether this person is being a perpetrator toward me and I'm being a victim, you know, that could be a feeling that's coming into it, Mm -hmm. which to me is a, um, a boundary issue. Uh, you know, so anytime people are struggling in their relationship, and I do, I I like what you said too. Everybody has conflict in their relationships. And so Mm -hmm. we shouldn't view it as a problem. That can be something that just makes it feel 10 times worse when we define this as like, oh, we're having conflict, that must mean we're a failure. I think it's really helpful to have that understanding that if you're human, you're going to struggle with this on some level, with the Mm self-esteem, with the boundaries, with the relationships in general, with the vulnerability. It's hard. It's hard stuff. And um, so if I'm in a situation with my partner and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling like I need to defend myself, I'm feeling whatever, it means that there's some part of my essential self that is having a heart, that, that's, that I'm questioning my worth, or I'm questioning my ability to have a voice, or I feel like I have to defend myself, and it gets in the way of vulnerability. And part of it is the, the understanding that if my partner is getting overwhelmed and frustrated and upset, that that's her stuff, that it's not my responsibility to take care of, that um, my best move probably at that moment is to move into acceptance and compassion about whatever's going on for her. And if I'm the one getting overwhelmed, I need to move into acceptance and compassion for myself about there's something going on here. There's some reason why I'm feeling these things that makes sense.
1: Yes. Wow. That, that's really a really great explanation too, because I think well, this is kind of a therapist word, but we, we talk about, you know, projecting, right? Like we either, we either, I, I've got a little teaching on, you know, we either pick, project or provoke, uh, mm-hmm. our partner. We either pick someone who's very familiar with our, uh, you know, that feels familiar to us, or we, we provoke what is familiar to us or we project. So I think that's what I'm, I'm kind of hearing from you, Shane, is when you have this stuff that's going on. We have an incident that happens, mm-hmm. and then we have a story about that incident. So the incident happens, and you've got a story, your partner's got a story, and how to bring those stories in, into awareness, right? But anyway, yeah, go ahead and uh, share more about this idea of projecting or, you know, how self esteem or lack thereof really yeah. causes some problems.
0: Yeah. And let me give an example. I think this is helpful. Uh, this is something that happens a lot with couples. Like what what, are pers- what you were just saying about those three things, I think sometimes all three of them are coming into it. My own yes. stuff, my own projection, also what's happening to me, you know. Um, so if my partner walks in, uh, you know, we both had a long day at work. We're both, uh, you know, tired. And from her perspective, she says, honey, did you take the trash out this morning? Now, um, I forgot to take, let's say I forgot to take the trash out and I feel all of a sudden feel like I go into a shame spiral about that. Like, oh my gosh, you know, and this is maybe subconscious, right? Like I'm, I'm a terrible husband. She's never going to, you know, think that I'm enough, um, whatever kinds of like themes that I have Mm -hmm. for myself are coming up at that moment. But instead of, instead of sort of moving into compassion for myself in a vulnerable way about those emotions, it's too painful. So I go right up into anger and I say, you know, I don't like the way you're talking to me. And what I heard was her walk in and say, you're such a jerk. You always forget to take the trash out. What's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, and the reality is somewhere in between probably the reality of what was actually said, you know, is probably somewhere in between, but each of us has our own perception of how we're coming into that situation and what we're bringing to that situation. And the more that I have, let's say a healthy self-esteem, The more that I feel confident that I'm a pretty good husband, most of the time, I do make mistakes, but as all
1: husbands do, right? (laughs) Right? How to have grace for yourself, how to move forward, how to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to move on. I'm going to learn. I'm not going to keep on repeating over and over and over. Right. That's where it's a problem. But anyway,
0: (laughs) accountability is extremely important. That's right. Yes. But, but, but my confidence in myself will allow me to be accountable. It's different. If I feel that level of insecurity and my partner's just being mean to me about this, I might move into defensiveness or blame her for the way she's talking to me or say, don't you understand how much I had going on today? And it's very invalidating of her. She's just asking me about the trash. If Mm -hmm. I can step into my confidence and my self-esteem and say, I'm, I'm a pretty good husband. I know I make mistakes. I can take a deep breath and, um, I can say, I I can move into understanding and compassion for what's going on for her. And I can say, oh my gosh, you're right. I totally forgot to take the trash out. Let me take care of that. Uh, And I don't have to be defensive. I don't have to explain myself and I can make it about her. Now I do have the right, if there was something that she said that was hurtful to me, that um, I would say most of the time that moment is not the time to take it on.
1: Yeah. You know what? That is so true. It is so very important to get that grounding, isn't it, Shane, just yeah. to even take some deep breaths. But 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 keep yeah. going. I've got another question for you. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, if she's, if she really, if my perception is that she is really upset about the trash, it's that, that is the the worst time for me to... <laughs> say what I'm upset about because exactly. she just, she might just be in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just need to move into understanding compassion, take care of the situation. Um, you know, I could let her know, like, listen, I'll start making dinner. Why don't you go relax, have some downtime. And then it might be a couple hours later after we get the kids to bed and everything else. I might say, Hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot to take the trash out. You know, that's the accountability piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I keep, I want to keep working on that. But, but by the way, when you brought that up with me, it would be really helpful to me if you didn't call me a jerk next time, because that Mm -hmm. made it hard for me to, to have compassion for what was going on for you. You know, I I love
1: that. Yeah, I
0: have the right to set boundaries for myself, but I have to do it with respect. And the timing of it is very important.
1: Wow. Well, that, that sounds to me like here's here's something I think you're bringing up for me, Shane, is to be able to respond versus react. Mm. That takes a lot of, I would say, some individual maturity or awareness. Mm-hmm. So can you speak with us about, because some people, they don't know, do I need to come to individual therapy? Do I need to come to couples what would you say to that if there's perhaps maybe some um, one, maybe one person in the relationship is more, maybe emotionally, spiritually grounded and mature, and the other one is not? How to, uh, so maybe you can, maybe I'm asking too many questions mm-hmm. at once, but I'm so curious about it. No, all I, of no them. I think I
0: understand. I think I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, I guess the fundamental question is like, if I'm thinking about therapy, Uh, how how do I know if individual therapy or couples therapy is the right course for me? And um, what I would say, and maybe I'm biased because I'm a couples therapist, what I would say is 90% of the time, it's hard for me to imagine the the relationship is going to get a lot better if if someone's only doing individual therapy, or at least let me just uh, say it could get a lot better. But You're going to make progress a lot more quickly if both people are in the conversation, usually. Um, You know, if you think about the example that I gave, if I go into an individual therapist and I'm starting to tell the story, I'm going to say, hey, listen, the other day my wife came in and she was so harsh with me, you know, and was just yelling at me about not taking the trash out. You know, what, what should I do to deal with her? Uh, That might be what it sounds like in individual therapy and the therapist might help that person, but they're sort of, they don't have a lot of the perspective on the other side I -hmm. feel like a lot of times when I'm meeting with someone in individual therapy, we'll we'll, we'll get to this place where it feels it's sort of hard to move forward. And I'll say, you know, I would, it'd be great if you could bring your partner in for a session, and all of a sudden, if their par- their partner comes in, and I get this whole other world of information about what we should be working on, and it's incredibly helpful. Uh, so even if I am working with someone individually, oftentimes I want to, um, you know, bring the other person's perspective in at least now and then. So the other thing is, if someone is on you know, let's say someone's been through an affair situation or something really significant like that, and they're going to individual therapy. Um, The other person is not learning what's going on for this person as they're going to individual therapy. And often I've seen the situation where I've been working with a couple and individual therapists are working with each of the individuals and the goals for the individual therapists are at odds for what we're doing in couples therapy. Mm. It's mm-hmm. almost like the individual therapist is encouraging the person to move on, like to, to move into their own sense of empowerment and self-esteem which that part of it's great. But in a way that's like, you don't need this person anymore. You should just, you know, you're empowered. You should just move on. Where they're telling me in the couples therapy that they really want to make this relationship work, I'm also moving them into empowerment. But uh, relational empowerment is very different than individual empowerment. Um,
1: There's something that you that you mentioned here, Shane, that I really want to address. Is it ever ever ethical for an individual or a couples therapist to tell a person that they should do this or that? And what I mean by that, um, like, yeah, is that an unethical thing to say to a client? You need to move on away from this relationship.
0: I, I, I think it for the most part that's that would be unethical. Now, if someone, let's say someone's in a physically abusive situation. Mm I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hesitate as their therapist to say, look, we have to make a plan for you to be safe. Oh, absolutely. What is What does this look like? Like you can't, you know, maybe I would go as far as saying you can't continue living in the same house as this person mm-hmm. um, because it's not a safe situation. And I, I would want to tell them that because maybe they need to hear that from a professional in order mm-hmm. for them to take the steps necessary. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think you know most of us in therapy school learn that it's a really, it's a really bad idea to tell people what to do with their life, to tell them what decisions to make. Now, I can ask questions if someone's really struggling in their relationship, and and it's go. I I don't understand why they would want to continue being in that relationship. I can ask them a question like why do you, why do you want to keep staying in this relationship? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even me asking that question might be influential. Maybe, maybe I should be, you know, I need to be careful about how I ask those types of questions because I do want them to make that decision for themselves at the end of the day. But, you know, it would be with the, the goal of helping them explore what are the reasons why they, they are making the decisions that they're making.
1: And well, and also uh, going back to working with a couple and both are seeing individual therapists and those agendas maybe being in conflict, uh, yeah. could it be that there's times in which maybe one partner, let's just say, you know, a heterosexual couple, a female is disclosing to her therapist that she is experiencing abuse, but you as a couples therapist don't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm probably getting into more nitty gritty than I really need to on this podcast episode, Mm -hmm. but I think these are things that do come up. So how do you handle that as a therapist or, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, oftentimes it's really helpful for the therapists to be able to talk to each other so that Mm -hmm. they can gain insight and they can get on the same page about what the goals are and what the people are asking for because you're right even it, even if it's not an extreme example like abuse the the way that a a person might be describing what they want from therapy might be very different as they talk to their individual therapists compared to their couples therapist, and not because they're trying to you know be confusing in the situation but just because it, it, it's different when you're sitting in the room with that other human being who you're working with in your relationship, you know, a lot of time. a lot of times people are more careful about how they're saying things They're They want to be polite about it. They want to sort of like, you know, whereas with their individual therapist, the way that it comes out might be quite different, you know, and like, like the, again, the, back to the example I was using, if they are saying to their individual therapist, Hey, my partner came home and started yelling at me and um, that's the knowledge that their individual therapist has, they're going to be like trying to empower that person. Hey, you should set boundaries. You shouldn't let them treat you that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I hear that in couples therapy and the other partner says, well, you don't don't even know what led up to that. And now Mm -hmm. I have more context and understanding for the couple as a whole. Mm -hmm. The goals or the plan that we come up with might be very different in the couple's work because I have a full picture of what happened in that situation. Whereas the individual therapist only heard that person's perspective.
1: That's, that's very, uh, very insightful for sure. I think you're spot on with that because working with an individual, you do have just their perspective, which is Mm -hmm. just part of it. And you do get more of a holistic viewpoint um, so I think that's very valuable. How do people, um, oh, oh, let me, let me ask this question because what do you think are the ingredients if there were maybe just one or two or three, um, that the attitude wise, that couples need to have in order for their couples therapy to be successful?
0: I think that, um, Couples therapy is often a, a process. I mean, I mean, if we could look at it from two levels, one level is the surface level, which is, the let's say, the communication, the way the communication is playing out. So as a couples therapist, we can teach people um, more healthy ways of communicating with each other. So we can move people from blame and judgment and criticism into speaking from the first person, expressing how they feel, expressing what they want as requests. Um, So that's one level that we can teach. The, The other level of it is what happens when we come up with a communication plan on this level and the two of you are still having old emotions coming into it that make it hard for you to follow through on the plan that's more like deep sort of therapy work uh you know going deep into it gaining insight so the but the ingredients i think to make therapy helpful is for you know uh how do i want to say? i guess openness to the process mm-hmm. so that even if You don't understand what's happening in the process of the therapy, like an openness to learn something new, like a willingness to recognize that, um, the way that we have been doing things hasn't been working so Mm -hmm. far, and we have to learn how to do things in a different way. Um, I think curiosity would be a really good ingredient to bring into it instead of staying rigid on whatever your ideas are about what's happening, you know, which is usually my partner always does this and it prevents me from what I need to do for myself, you know, trying to be a little bit more flexible and curious about um, how do I play into that dynamic? Uh, And, you know, a big part of that is the ability to uh, like, self-ownership like taking responsibility for yourself in the dynamic so that would be another big ingredient too, like responsibility
1: yeah it sounds to me like it sounds to me like these are all so curiosity openness willingness responsibility uh, those are character traits aren't they and so uh, are a lot of share with us about um couples that don't come in with these traits i mean Mm -hmm. what do you do with that or or maybe you know so so what's the process like i mean that's a good
0: question um people will come in with what they want um from therapy and i want to honor what people are asking for Mm -hmm. so um whenever i'm Encouraging someone to move into curiosity. I I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried if they come in with it or not. Uh, To Mm -hmm. me, I, I I have, I'm optimistic that I can move them into it. Mm -hmm. If I am able to connect back to why this is going to be in your best interest, how, how is it, if I'm, if I'm trying to sell the idea of curiosity is important for your relationship or accountability is important for your relationship. Um, if I just sort of start going at it, they're going to might be resistant and say, uh, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait for my partner to change before I do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to be able as a therapist to sort of, um, understand where they're getting stuck, what's not working and what, what deep down the, the first question I always ask people is what do they want? What are they hoping mm-hmm. for? Yeah, and then if as I'm moving them into curiosity or accountability or whatever the in characteristics that I'm trying to get them to learn more about, I'm gonna I'm going to say, listen, I know this is hard, but you know, how do you feel like it's been working the way you've been trying to do it? You know, and the you know, well, that's no, a it profound has, it question, right? Yeah, it's like
1: how's it working yeah. for you? <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. And you said you wanted your partner to be more warm and understanding with you. And I'm wondering if uh, if you try this out and you get more of what you're looking for from your partner, if it if it's worth trying, you know, so that was that was kind of, uh, you know, not a great example. But but just to sort of like that's how Let's- I walk them through the conversation of like, yeah, I want to connect it to what they're they want and say, I have a new pathway for you to try. I have something here in my back pocket that, you know, um, that will get you to the place that you want to be in your relationship so that, so that I feel like I have a captive audience as I'm trying to work with the, the couple.
1: That's beautiful. I think, I think that is so true. Uh, for a couple to come in and their therapist to ask them what they want, out of therapy mm-hmm. is is definitely needs to be done for sure. And, and can you explain because you've worked with a lot of therapists, you've taught a lot of therapists over the years, and you you pro, you know Shane likely more than most other therapists all the different modalities of therapy that's out there. So how important is it for a couple that's looking for the right therapist? how important is the modality that that therapist uses versus that personality, that experience of that therapist? And how, how do they even begin this process of finding the right fit in a therapist?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And the, um, The modality is important the personality of the therapist or the the skills of the therapist are also important but um, there are definitely you know if you if you look at a modality like like the one that i'm certified in like relational life therapy i'm sure there are um some really bad uh, relational life therapists out there Uh, so (laughs) just because they have the certification doesn't mean that they're a great therapist um, there's also, um, maybe, maybe we, if I said it in a kinder way, you know, there are relational <laughs> we life gotta have some
1: self-compassion for therapists right. that might be doing relational right. life therapy. They might be <laughs> right. bad right now, but right. they're growing, my, right?
0: <laughs> my assumption is that 90, 99% of them are great. Yeah. Um, but, um, a nicer way of saying it is some relational life therapists out there might not be a good fit for a particular couple who's looking for therapy, and so, so you want to uh, under, you you want to find someone who's a good fit. But you also, what I would say is whether it's emotionally focused therapy, Gottman, the developmental model, relational life therapy. These are all different modalities of couples therapy. Um, they're, they're all great um, in a lot of ways, and what I would say is that if you're looking for couples therapy in particular, you just want to make sure that the therapist has some training in couples therapy because it's very different than individual therapy. So that could be something to check out. And I wouldn't worry too much. I, you know, I have I haven't heard any like bad couples therapy trainings. I mean um, so, but, but just the fact that they have some couples therapy training would be good. And then and the that's, next step yeah, is that's finding beyond... someone who's a good fit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that is even beyond their uh, like LMFT, licensed marriage and family therapist. If it's just LMFT and they have no additional training, Mm -hmm. that um, that's something you want to look for somebody that does have additional training in some kind of Mm -hmm. modality. And is. Yeah. But that. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the good fit. And so how often is it where you can you can make one. One spouse really happy and the other one mad, like you (laughs) you try not to get what you call triangulated into their relationship and how to how to really be for the relationship. When I when I explain to people, I, I let them know when they come for couples counseling, it's the relationship that is the client. Versus yeah. the individual that comes in as the client. So, what is good for the relationship, but also good for the individuals in that relationship? But how to make that emotionally safe in between? So, so yeah, speak to that.
0: Yeah. So, um, some the reality is sometimes that happens, um, but I have a in relational life therapy. There's a very specific way that we work, which is that we wanna um, identify the most egregious behaviors that are happening in the relationship. And so let's say that, you know, one part, if I'm working with a couple and one partner, it comes home every day and starts yelling at everybody in the house. Uh, and the other partner does some things, but it's not quite as bad as that from my perspective as their therapist. I'm going to want to take on those, uh, you know, biggest issues first. Mm-hmm. And so what I will do is I will work, I will look at that person and I'll say, oh my gosh, you come home and you start yelling at everyone every day. What's going on? Are you feeling, is that coming from a place of anger? You know, and they'll, they'll sort of, well, this and this and this. And, uh, and I'll say, I'm going to move into compassion and understanding for what's going on for them. Like mm-hmm. they're really stressed. I'm so sorry. And I'll say something like, who is the angry one growing up in your family? Mm. And that's um, a
1: profound question. That's a very yes. profound question.
0: And you, you know, 90% of the time it's like, they, they know, right. Oh, it was mm. my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, mm-hmm. what happened with your dad? And I'll say, well, mm-hmm. he used to come home and he was actually physically abusive with us. And I'll say, oh my gosh, Mm. tell me, tell me more about what that was like for you as a little kid. Mm. And, um, and then, so then the other partner, you know, is moving into compassion. Yeah. This partner is feeling like I'm working with them and I'm moving into compassion for what they went through as a kid. And I'll do, you know, this is, this will take a long period of time, but I'll do some work with them. I'll say that was completely unfair. What happened to you as a little kid? I'll, I'll, I'll move into compassion. I'll say, of course, you're getting angry when you get home. This is what you saw every day growing up Mm -hmm. and good Mm -hmm. for you for not being physical in the way that you're expressing your anger. You, you, you know, and what your partner said was that you're a great dad. A lot of the time, it's just when you get angry and start yelling that it's not working. Mm -hmm. So I'll build them up, I'm building their self-esteem, I'm giving them compassion. And then I'll say something like, what's it like for you to realize that you've become, your dad in your own family.
1: Mm, mm.
0: And at that point, hopefully they're feeling enough self-esteem. They're feeling enough compassion. They're able to go into uh, some sense of accountability for the situation. So they're so, so best case scenario, they're going to feel good at the end of the session because I've just done this work with them um, to helping them gain a lot of insight and more empowerment about how they're behaving in their situation. And their partners are going to feel great about how this session went, even though I didn't talk to them for the whole session, because I'm dealing with the problem that they want to be addressed.
1: Oh, so, that's, that's beautiful. And I love it when the, the spouse that maybe is normally closed off And then the, this, the uh, you know, the wife, let's say if the husband's been closed off, well, I've never heard him talk and open up like that ever before. And that's, that's a really, it's a wonderful gift of, of making that space in the counseling session. So emotionally safe, that's beautiful, Shane, you're doing a remarkable work for sure. And it's so like, I know with my couples, they can come out and feel so exhausted. Oh, yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. And and so if you're going to therapy and after a counseling session, make sure you do something fun, like go out, take a walk, just, you know, breathe the fresh air, uh, but do something fun. I like to incorporate fun into the counseling as well, Shane, because you know what people Like we all take ourselves, in my opinion, there's, we just take ourselves too seriously sometimes (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we need, we need to laugh. And yes, people come into counseling because they have a problem that they want to fix and they want to feel better. Uh, And we want them to make it, we want them to feel better, but we want them to also grow and learn I I love it how you're describing this, Shane, because it just, it does resonate with my acronym of breathing this fresh air, raising their level of awareness, asking those, those questions uh, to someone, where is, where does this anger come from? And then that does empower them to be intentional and then take those risks of growth, the AIR awareness, intentionality and risks. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is good to leave or to have a good plan for how you're transitioning out of a session like you said you know it could be doing something fun together it could be you know maybe both people need to just take some time alone to have some space um could be like make sure that we re-engage at some point after we take space it's like you know whatever that looks like for each individual couple just feeling a um you know things definitely get stirred up oftentimes Mm -hmm. in therapy, and it's good to, it's all about having compassion for themselves, uh, for ourselves, you know, all about um, being mindful that this is hard work, it takes a toll. And how do we take care of ourselves going forward from that?
1: Absolutely. And you know, we talk a whole lot about it's hard work, being married is hard work, going to counseling is hard work, but there is some wonderful rewards beyond it, isn't there? I mean, I think we need to talk about (laughs) We need to let them know, hey, this is worth it. Yeah, it's hard work. But yeah. on the other end, yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. It should be uh, life-changing, you know, <clears throat> to put the work in, to feel the results. Um, there there should be that. Uh, otherwise, it's not worth it.
1: Right. Who and wants I to always, do all this hard work and yeah, feel miserable?
0: <laughs> I try to emphasize for people that, you know, there. this is incredibly worthwhile and I think people start to feel it if they put the time in and they they put the effort in uh eventually they start feeling that change which
1: brings me to another question because uh this is the work is is yes the couple it's not just them but in my opinion they're like changing their branch of the family tree how Mm -hmm. have have you being a, a couples therapist and maybe the work that you and your, your wife and this journey that you two are doing together, how has that perhaps, you know, affected your children? Cause you've got your dad. Yeah. You're, you're a busy dad, right? And yeah. you're a family man. How has that affected your
0: kids? Well, um, I hope in a positive way, <laughs> um,
1: they might you be know, going to a therapist later when they're in their 30s yeah, they, and say, yeah, hey, my dad sure. is a therapist and this is what happened to me. Blah, blah,
0: blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my 11 year old is just asking me for a therapist, um, <laughs> probably because she hears me talking about therapy stuff all the time. Yeah, but um, she but um, yeah, I hope that, you know, for me, I. Uh, because of how much therapy I've gone to, because of how much training I've had, how much I've learned, I'm very conscious about how I show up in my family, and I definitely make mistakes at time. But I hope that you know I'm modeling for them something that is way different than what was modeled for me. And and you know I think my parents did a great job, but it's more of just a generational thing or what, you know whatever else. But uh, I think that I'm. I, um, my intention has been to try to help my kids in a way that they will, they value their emotional health and, you know, they have the ability to talk about whatever's coming up for them and feel accepted and feel the compassion and, and also uh, to teach them to be accountable to others, to teach them what that means that we have, you know, we have the responsibility to be mindful of the influence that we have on others. I think that's another bit big part piece that's missing from a lot of parenting sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And and here's what I believe wholeheartedly, no matter what stage of life that you're in, whether you're raising young kids, whether you're raising teenagers, whether you're an empty nester, in my opinion, the biggest gift that you can give your family, your, your grown children, your young children is the gift of your own journey and growing throughout. I mean, we don't ever want to stop, and and becoming more aware, becoming intentional, and taking those risks of growth. I think is a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. So
0: Absolutely. I just had to
1: add that plug because I think I believe that in my heart of hearts. So so Shane, how can folks get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, I think the best way to find me is uh shaneburkle.com um i have i make a lot of videos for people about relationships um if people are on instagram or tiktok they can find a lot of the videos on those platforms um And uh, if, if people, I mean, the podcast is mostly for therapists about the practice of therapy. So if you're a therapist, the couples therapist couch podcast or couples therapist couch.com is a good place to look. But, um, you know, sometimes people tell me who are, who are not therapists that they listen to it and they get a lot out of it. So um, yeah.
1: You can learn, you can learn a lot from the outside, looking in there, some some inside secrets. So if there's one piece of advice that you would give to a, a couple that is either watching or listening to this podcast right now, let's just say they've never been to therapy before. And what, what piece of advice would you give them to encourage them with maybe the difficulty that they're going through?
0: Great question. I would say you have the right to express anything that you need to say but you have to do it with respect and compassion for how it's coming out and for the other person in the conversation
1: love that that is so valuable shane thank you so much for joining us this has been a very valuable episode And um, I, I just really appreciate the wonderful work you're doing. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you.
1: Wow. What amazing insider tips we've gotten about couples counseling from Shane. I love the practical examples he gave us that most of us can identify with. I appreciate how he normalizes our human struggles. I had so many takeaways, but here's three that I want to share with you. Number one, any relationship issue has to do with something that's going on inside yourself. Remember that conflict doesn't mean failure. Number two, it's important to get clarity about what you want and to be willing to be open and curious to the therapy process. And number three, since things do get stirred up and it is hard work, in therapy, it's also life-changing, making your life and relationship better. You're on this beautiful journey. Always remember there's hope and you're worth it. What stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. Next week, we'll talk with Jackie Bledsoe, who partners with his wife, coaching couples, and who wrote the book the seven rings of marriage. They have a remarkable marital journey of faith that will for sure encourage you. Until then, feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and comment in the streaming platform of your choice. See you next time for Better Relationships, Better Life.